Welcome to the Lingostown Life Podcast, where our community seeks to love God and love others. Here you'll find timely teachings, important conversations, and encouraging devotionals to improve your life and help you deepen your faith. In this sermon, Pastor George preaches about how you should spend your time. This message was originally preached on June 11th, 2023 at Lingostown Life. I am doing my best. I've been... I guess all congested from all that smoky air and stuff, but uh, I'm to try and get through this message today. And uh, I just want to give you a, a quick heads up to some things. Um, first of all, uh, this, is, this is the next to last message, okay? Um, it, it's, it's really starting to feel real about retiring and, uh, and not leading you here at Lingolstown Life. But uh, what I wanted to do with these last two messages was uh, to share a, a, what I consider a life verse with you this week. And uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about that in just a few moments. But the other thing that I want to do next week is I want to share with you a little bit from my favorite movie. I don't know whether those are groans or out there or, or what, but, <clears throat> but next, week, next week, as I wrap up my time here, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you the fact that it is a wonderful life, okay? And, um, and God puts people in our lives and us in the, in the lives of other people for a purpose and for a reason. And, uh, and so I want you to, uh, well, I really hope that you'll be here to hear that uh, and share in that time as well. But uh, I mean, and if anybody, if anybody watched the first service or listened to the first service, you may get an entirely different message because literally I have what's on your sermon outline on my notes this morning, okay? So this is... This is, a real, uh, this is a real test of my preaching ability this morning, not to have it all scripted out ahead of time. So, uh, approximately 30 years ago, I got a phone call. I got a phone call from, from another pastor who, uh, who said, I, I want to meet with you and I want to share with you about something that God has told me. Well, the, the guy who called me actually grew up on my street in Lewistown. He actually uh, grew up with my brother, and uh, I, I will just put it this way. He and my brother and a number of other boys from that neighborhood, they, uh, they were definitely not the kind of kids that you would ever consider becoming pastors, okay? So, uh, so anyway, uh, Mike Bailey called me, and uh, Ted, Ted, Ted could tell you the story about Mike Bailey, but uh, yeah, Mike was, Mike was the farthest thing from a pastor when, uh, when Ted met him, but, uh, but anyway, Mike calls me up, and he says, George, he said, I, I need you to, to come and, and meet with me because I want to share with you a little bit about the, uh, the homeless shelter here in Lewistown. Now, we were living in Juniata County at the time, 
And uh, I had grown up in Lewistown, and I, when I grew up in Lewistown, I didn't know that anybody was homeless. So I didn't even know we had a homeless shelter. And um, so I was rather intrigued. There's no homeless people in Lewistown. Um, you know, you probably think there's no homeless people in Lingolstown, okay? Uh, we don't think about the fact that there are people who are homeless. We don't think about the people who are living in their cars. We don't think about the people who are living on the streets. You know, we don't, we don't think about it until it's literally right in our face. So I sat down with Mike. Uh, I, think we, I think we had lunch someplace, and, and uh, Mike got out his Bible, and he started to share with me uh, these words from Isaiah chapter 58. And I have to tell you, uh, after having been uh, raised in the church, uh, after having gone to college, after having gone to seminary, after having been a pastor for probably four or five years at that point, I don't think I had really ever paid attention to Isaiah chapter 58. But when Mike sat down with me that day, he's like, George, he said, this is our calling as pastors. This is our calling as churches. This is our calling as disciples of Jesus. And so <clears throat> Mike read this, this chapter to me and explained what God had been saying to him from these words. And that's what I want to do with you today because I think from that conversation, it really began to transform my life and I think in turn my ministry as a pastor. So uh, I want to read beginning in verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 58. And uh, I'm not going to be able to go back and read the whole chapter to you this morning, but after today, I hope you'll take the time to read it. But this is how it goes. If you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. So after Mike shared this passage from Isaiah chapter 58, uh, I bet you it's a verse that you haven't really taken the time to spend a lot of time in, but after he shared it with me, I got involved in the, uh, in the shelter services in Lewistown and um, served on the board, eventually became the board president, uh, led the church that I was serving at that time to actually buy a house that was literally next door to our church and turn that house into a transitional shelter because when people leave the, uh, the, that, that shelter, they need some way to transition from homelessness to, uh, to back into to a regular housing situation. And so we had the opportunity to, to see that, that house 
Um, and if you would have seen it at the time, it was, oh, it was terrible. But, uh, you know, we refurbished it and uh, we filled it. And uh, as we like to say at that time, we, we filled it with love. And, uh, and there was a family that came in and made that transition from homelessness back into, uh, t back into a normal living situation. And, and that, was, that was something that was transformational. Um, you know, you begin, to, you begin to see people and you begin to understand the needs. And really, what you begin to see is that that's what this passage from Isaiah chapter 58 is really all about. It's about us recognizing that we have a call upon our lives to care for the needs of others in our community. So let me go back to this passage for a minute because I think it's important for us to sort of put it into context, and that's what I want to do right now. So uh, to, to put it in its fullest context, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, God called Abraham and Sarah. And when God called Abraham and Sarah, he said, I want you to be my representation in this world. He said, I want you to demonstrate for other people who I am as the God of creation. And so beginning with Abraham and Sarah and going throughout all of, of, uh, of Israel's history, they have been called to be the people who represent God in this world. And so that was their job. They were to demonstrate the love and faithfulness of God. They were to represent God in every possible way. But if you know anything from reading anything in the Old Testament, you know that over time, the people of Israel became disobedient and unfaithful, and they, they, they failed over and over again to represent God in the world. People, people in, in nations and tribes all around them were supposed to be able to look at them and learn that this is what it means to have a relationship with the God of creation. But when they looked at the people of Israel, they weren't seeing that because they weren't any different than everybody else in the world. But that was their calling. They were to represent God. And what happened is that over time, the, the ritual of their faith, the, the things that they, they did to fulfill those 635 commandments that we've talked about on, on several occasions, well, that relationship turned into ritual. And soon, the idea of relationship gave way to just going through the motions. Do, do we ever do that in, in our day-to-day -day life, in, especially with our faith? We sort of let things go from, from really meaningful, relational kind of things to, to a point where it just simply becomes, oh, it's Sunday morning, I got to get up and go to church. You know? And the only reason you show up in church is because, well, it looks good. You know? I'm here because, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do kind of thing. And so that's what happened here. 
And, and we, we see this in, in chapter 58. If you have a Bible that has headings to particular sections or chapters, uh, in mine it says that this chapter is entitled True Fasting. True Fasting. And what, what is being talked about here by God is, is the fact that the people of Israel are complaining to God. Anybody here ever complain to God? You're not going to admit it, but yeah, okay, we all do. You know, sort of like, God, I was in church this morning. Why can't I get a closer parking spot to the place I want to go eat, right? Am I right? You know? God, I read my Bible this morning. Why did I get pulled over by the police, you know? Well, that's the kind of relationship that sometimes we get into with God. It's like, hey, God, I did my part. Now, why don't you do your part? And that's exactly what was happening with the people of Israel. They're like, God, we fasted. Now, why aren't you answering our prayers? And God says to them something in here that we need to hear. And it's this, he says, he says, you want to ask me for just decisions. You seem eager for God to come near. You say, why have we fasted and you not seen it? Well, God goes on to tell them exactly why. He said this, listen, he said, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. That's the first account in the Bible about somebody being hangry. <laughs> you don't want to be around me when I'm hangry, right? Okay? But when these people are done fasting, they're hangry. And, and as a result, it says that they're quarreling and there's strife. And listen, and in striking each other with wicked fists. That's some pretty serious hangry. Okay, you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Then in verse 6, he gets into, he gets into the nitty-gritty. He says, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke? Is it not, listen, is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? So you see why Mike was so passionate about reading that passage and recognizing the calling that we have on our lives to care for the very basic needs of people's lives. But the problem for the, the people in Israel was that they had neglected all of that. They were going through ritual which had no, no meaning, and they were going through this ritual, and eventually it turned into abuse and neglect of other people. That exploiting of workers, the quarreling, the strife, the striking of each other. What's interesting is that God also tells them what they need to do. And that's where I began this passage in, in verse 10. He says, you know, if you, if you really want to understand what will, what will move the heart of God, this is it. 
spend yourselves on behalf of others. And then he goes through that list. On behalf of the hungry and the oppressed. And he can go on and on and on talking about this. You see, the solution to the problem is that you and I need to spend ourselves on behalf of others. And in particular, on behalf of the oppressed in this world in which we live. Now, I think what's interesting is that this this understanding of the heart of God that, that is being demonstrated here gets carried on throughout Jesus' ministry and in throughout the New Testament and the early days of the church. If we turn to Matthew chapter 25, there's a, a, a familiar parable there that we, we all know, uh, whether, we, whether we read it very often or not, but it's the separating of the sheep and the goats. And, and in that in that passage, there are, there are these people who, who look at Jesus and say, when did we see you hungry and thirsty? When did we see you naked? When did we, when did we visit you in prison? And Jesus says to them, he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And, and then there's the, that other group, the, the goats, and, the, and they're all like, well, if we would have seen you, we would have gladly done those things, but we didn't see you. Why, did, why didn't you see me? I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm in that man. I'm in that woman. I, I'm in that person that, that lives across the street from you. I'm, I'm in that person that you pass by on the sidewalk every day. I'm here. How can you miss me? What's fascinating is that, that so, much of what, so much of what Jesus said in his mission statement comes through here in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. You have those verses up here on the screen. Remember, this is, this is Jesus, and it's, it's fascinating. G Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah again. Uh, there's a whole section here in the, midst, uh, in the middle of Isaiah's prophecy that, that can challenge all of us today. But this is, this is Jesus borrowing the language from Isaiah about what his mission is all about. And listen, Jesus never mentions the church. He never mentions singing hymns. He never, he never talks about sitting in rows. What does he say? He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to whom? To the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for who? Recovery of sight for whom? To set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus' mission. And if it's Jesus' mission, it needs to be our mission as well. It needs to be our mission as well. Now, the disciples understood the power of this, and they understood Jesus' mission, and they understood what Jesus was all about, 
And so John, one of those disciples who wrote three little letters that are, are right at the end of our New Testament, he wrote this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 19 through 21. And it says this, we love because he first loved us. We love because God first loved us. And then he goes on and he says this, and I think this is very similar to what God was saying to the people in Isaiah chapter 58. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a what? Is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Say this with me. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And so that's become sort of my passion as a pastor. And, and you know, doing all this reminiscing, um, so when we were serving in Juniata County, uh, not only did we get involved with the, the homeless shelter, but there was, uh, there was one summer where there was a whole influx of, uh, of folks from Central America who moved into to Juniata County. You, uh, you, you, you don't find a, a whiter, less diverse community than you do in Juniata County. And suddenly people who spoke Spanish um, were walking in and they had no way to communicate with anybody. They were working at a local factory and they were, they were, they were working hard. And the need was presented to us, is there any way that you can help us with these kids? Their parents go to work during the day and they need something to do. And so we began feeding them lunch every day. And we started feeding them lunch, and we recognized that one of the other issues was that these little kids didn't know a lick of English. And so we started, we started very basically trying to teach them how to learn English words. I, I still have this picture of my daughter, Rebecca, sitting there, and I think the reason she loves Spanish today and can speak Spanish fluently is because of that experience that she had as a little girl trying to help other little boys and girls learn how to speak English. We, uh, after a few years, we moved on to Schuylkill County up to Valley View, and when we were there, uh, there were lots of opportunities and ways to, uh, to get involved in the community. Um, sadly, one of those things happened through the death of a young man. Um, young man's name was Jeremy. And he was one of many victims of underage drinking. He, uh, he wrapped his car around a tree because he couldn't make a turn. And, uh, and, and that was sort of just something that broke my heart. Why are we... Why are we pouring this poison into young people? Why are, why are parents, why are parents allowing these kind of things to happen in their homes without any thought about what these kids are going to do when they hop in the car? 
Jeremy was a high school kid. Had his whole life ahead of him. So I got together with, actually with Becca's mom and a number of other people in the community, and, and we, we, we started recognizing somebody has to speak up. Somebody has to, to hold, hold people accountable. Because this is, this is what it means to love your brother and sister. And so we, we developed a, a, a community-based uh, effort to try and make people aware of the whole issue of underage drinking. Um, we did such a good job of it, the, the state recognized us. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board and the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Transportation. You know, we, we saw a need and we tried to respond to it. Came here and, you know, there's this big city, we got lots of needs here. And we've tried to, tried to recognize those. Just, just one simple one uh, is what we, what we did down at Ray's place. You know, when, uh, when we decided that we were going to, to be a, a church in two locations, we recognized that one of the things we needed to do was ask people in the community, what's the greatest need? And so we asked Dr. Willis, the superintendent down at Susquehanna Township, and she's like, well, the biggest need is for kids to learn how to read and to improve in their reading skills. And so we said, well, that's pretty easy. We can handle that. And so we continue to, to help kids to learn how to read week in and week out. Why do we do that? Because, because he first loved us. And the way that people know that God loves them is when the people of God actually act like the people of God and act like God and care for other people. I'm sure you've heard me say it over and over again throughout my life. You know, I think I learned from my mom that you always are called to serve people. Whatever opportunity you have, you are called to serve people. And so we hearken back to, to the way we began the service this morning, thinking about how are you going to spend your 525,600 minutes of the year that lies ahead of you? And to go back to Isaiah, how are you going to spend yourself on behalf of people? You know, every once in a while I hear from people, hey, you know what, we ought to just shut down our, our online service and then people will, people will come back to church. Well, poo on that. Because, because after the first service today, I got this text message, and it says, Hi, Pastor George, I know you are busy between services, but I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed your sermon today. I have really been trying to think of ways I can volunteer within the church and community, so this was very meaningful. That's what it's about, folks. It's not about sitting here on your behind. It's about getting up. It's about going and doing the things that break the heart of God. 
that hopefully break your heart, that make you passionate enough to say, I need to do something. I'm glad that Mike Bailey called me up and said, I need to tell you what this verse of Scripture means to me and how important it is to all of us. And that's why I think it became a part of who I am because I hope that as I, as I look back on my ministry that I can say that I have spent myself on behalf of other people. And it has been, it has been the honor of my life to do that with each and every one of you. And I hope, I hope that if you've learned one thing, it is just this, that there is no greater joy in life than to spend yourself on behalf of others. And maybe, maybe the way you measure that is by love. Thank you for joining us on the Lingostown Life Podcast. If this message was meaningful to you, we hope you will leave a review and share it with others. If you want to know more about our church or would like to attend a service or community event, find out more on www.lingostownlife.org. God bless you and may you go forth and love God and love others.